Welcome back to the Australian Rotary Health podcast called The Research Behind Lift the Lid. I'm Jessica Cooper and today on episode 52, we will be talking to Dr. Ben Smith. Ben was awarded an Ian Scott PhD scholarship from Australian Rotary Health from 2011 to 2013 for his project, Understanding the Psychosocial Impact of Surviving Testicular Cancer. Today, Dr. Ben Smith works at the Sydney Partnership for Health Education, Research and Enterprise, or SPHERE, where he is a senior research fellow within the Cancer Clinical Academic Group. Ben's research aims to ensure equitable access to high quality evidence-based social cancer care for all people living with cancer. He has a particular interest in fear of cancer recurrence, digital health interventions, and underserved populations impacted by cancer such as culturally and linguistically diverse communities. So thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today, Ben. How's, how's everything been going for you? Uh, you're welcome. Yeah, um, not, not too bad given the current circumstances, but um, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's going well. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, all, that's all we can do. Just, yeah, keep going and <laughs> see what happens. Yeah. Exactly. Well, um, yeah. Thank you again for, for joining me. And it, it sounds like you have definitely come a long way in your career since completing your PhD. Um, yeah. A few years ago now. So I guess before we get into what your project was about, uh, can you give us a bit of a snapshot of what your career has been like since then and, and what you're working on currently? Yeah, sure. No worries. Um, like, I guess, um, yeah, it's been a little while since finishing my PhD, which is in about 2015. Um, at that point, I, I um, took a position within the same research group I was based at, the Psycho-Oncology Cooperative Research Group at the University of Sydney, uh, where I uh, coordinated a, a nationwide trial of a um, therapist-delivered intervention for an issue um, uh, called fear of cancer occurrence. So essentially the worry or concern that that so many cancer survivors have um, that their cancer will come back mm -hmm. after they finish treatment um, so um, i worked on that for for a couple of years um, and and that study produced some you know really fantastic results which uh, i guess has really launched my my career in in that space along with the the uh, my phd work um, I, I did have a brief kind of foray into the uh, area of whether uh, video games could improve the mental health of, of young men in the general population uh, more broadly, um, mm. but uh, decided that, you know, cancer survivorship was really my main area of interest. And so uh, I think it was in around 2018, I, I returned to uh, work as a translational research fellow at the Center for Oncology Education and Research Translation, um, mm. where I was really focused on, I guess, um, trying to develop and, and implement interventions uh, to improve the, the uh, mental health and quality of life of cancer survivors and make sure they were, they were implemented in practice. Um, and now that center's kind of been subsumed into the 
um, the sphere uh, network. So I'm, I'm doing similar kind of work, but at a, with a, a broader uh, group of, of um, institutions and, and health districts to try and, I guess, implement that, that work at a broader level. Yeah, well, yeah, it really sounds like you're you're really passionate about this area of, of you know improving the mental health of people with cancer. So yeah, it sounds like such an important area as well. Absolutely. Yeah, and and your PhD project, um, I suppose it's a little bit unique um, because usually we fund projects that look specifically just at mental health, but yours is sort of um, extended to physical illness and how mental health sort of um, plays a part in that. And I mm. guess you were looking particularly at people with testicular cancer. Um, so I guess perhaps um, to start off, um, why is it important to sort of consider psycholo psychological factors in patients who have experienced an illness or, or poor physical health? Well, I think it's, um, you know, it's fairly well established now that Physical illnesses, you know, particularly ones uh, that are life-threatening like cancer can have a, a really huge impact on, on how people see themselves and, and where they see their life going. I mean, we certainly saw that in, in the work that I did focused on testicular cancer survivors. I mean, these are, these are young men who you know, have their sense of invincibility, uh, you know, shattered by, by a diagnosis of a you know, life-threatening illness like cancer and it's you know it was something that came as a shock to you know the vast majority of of um, the people that I spoke to so um, I think it's important to acknowledge that you know that can have a really life altering impact particularly if it's something that happen, does happen at a, a young age um, and, we, and we know that a, a person's physical and and mental health are quite interrelated and that if a person's experiencing uh, poorer mental health then that can often impact on their physical outcomes as well so I mean for instance uh, we know that fear of fear of recurrence um, you know, which as I mentioned is one of the issues that my research is focused on can can lead people to avoid attending kind of routine cancer screening such as mammograms in, in the case of breast cancer uh, that can play a really important role in, in detecting you know, cancer recurrence, um, so physical issues. Um, so I think, you know, that, that just shows the important connection between mental and physical health. And, and I think it's important to consider uh, the two together when we're, when we're, especially when we're talking about uh, the context of, of cancer survivors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I guess, so, like, what sort of led you to pursue a PhD in this area? Um, yeah, it's it's funny. It's it, you know, I, at the age of five, uh, it's not like I, I thought I was going to be a um, cancer survivorship researcher. It's it's something that I uh, fell into to a degree at, in, at the outset. Um, I was really lucky to connect with some kind of world leading researchers in the in that area. Um, when I was doing uh, my honours project um, and then um, when I'd finished that this uh, the opportunity to work on a study focused on testicular cancer survivors um, came up it wasn't it wasn't uh, something that I'd uh, I guess particularly considered or focused on um, at at that time 
but um, I think as I as I started working on the project, I mean, I, I was uh, working with a population of men who are not that dissimilar in age to myself. Um, you know, we really didn't know that much about uh, what the issues that these men were facing were and and how we could possibly address them. So I think that really motivated me to just learn uh, learn more about the area and see how we might be able to help uh, those men. Yeah, and it definitely sounds like it's sort of put you on this path, you know, towards, um, yeah, looking at the um, mental health and psych- psychological factors associated with, with cancer. So, yeah, it sounds like even though you kind of fell into it, it's something that really sparked your interest over time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it. it I guess it really um, made me aware of, uh, I guess, the, the mental health impacts that, um, a disease like testicular cancer can have and that may be surprising to some people I mean we've talked about the fact that it affects younger men and I mean that that is um, I guess one of the reasons why it, it can have such a significant impact but these are men that primarily have a very good prognosis um, in that they generally um, you know will survive uh, for a long period after uh, being treated and so you know some people might think that uh, you know they, they or expect them just to kind of get on with life and get back to normal but I guess what this what my research really showed was that you know that's not necessarily the case there, there are a, a large proportion of those men who do seem to adjust quite well um, after after having testicular cancer but there's you know a, a significant subset of those men who um yeah experience poorer mental health and who really need help uh, beyond um the, the end of their treatment to to get their lives back on track yeah yeah and i guess you've you've sort of um touched on some of the the findings from, from your phd but i'm just wondering like when you first started what sort of questions were you hoping to answer and, and how did you go about, you know, conducting some of these studies? Yeah, I guess there were three main uh, points that we wanted to look at or questions we wanted to answer. And the first were, I mean, th- this was, there'd been a bit of work done um, primarily in the US and um, parts of Europe on testicular cancer survivors, but we really didn't know anything about men um, in the Australian context. So um, the first aim was to see how common the um, negative impacts on mental health and, and quality of life were in, in Australian testicular cancer survivors specifically. Um, we also wanted to know, you know, I guess how severe those impacts were and, and what the biggest issues were that these, these men faced. Um, and then thirdly, um, I guess because, as I mentioned, there's there's kind of a, a large group who seem to do quite well, but then a smaller group who experience poorer outcomes. So we wanted to try and look at factors that would help us identify who those um, men likely to experience poorer outcomes were um, a, and also look at what we might be able to do to help them. Mm. Um, and we to, to address those um different aims. There were two, I guess, main components to the, to the research that I did. The first was a large nationwide survey of, of testicular cancer survivors. We had almost 250 in total from across the country looking at their mental health and quality of life outcomes. 
and and trying to establish you know what <laughs> factors uh, helped predict uh, better or, or worse uh, outcomes in those domains and then um, we also looked at their supportive care needs to give us an idea of what kind of support we could possibly offer them to to address those uh, those issues and uh, we did some qualitative interviews with um, a group of survivors who seem to be doing quite well and another group who were struggling a bit just to try and contrast their experiences to see you know what it get a get a more in-depth understanding of what it was that was I guess causing the the uh, ones the, the men who were who were struggling to to have that experience versus the ones who seem to be doing doing okay after treatment. Hmm. Yeah, well, it sounds like there were a lot of different components that, that you looked at in, in during your PhD. And I guess I'm wondering what, what were some of the key findings? Um, so we, uh, we saw that, uh, I guess, the we looked at kind of both mental and physical impacts of testicular cancer in that survivorship phase and, and certainly found that the mental impacts of testicular cancer were a lot more pronounced than the kind of physical impacts. Uh, men, men seem to have quite similar physical kind of quality of life to, to other young men in the, in the general population. Um, but we did see um, greater prevalence of things like um, clinically significant uh, anxiety and depression levels. And in this population, um, we know from both the research that, that we did and, and research more generally that anxiety is a, is a particular issue and, and fear of cancer occurrence as well. And that, that's, you know, I guess what first sparked my interest in this issue of fear of cancer occurrence because it's really not something you'd expect that these men would would suffer from. They they have, uh, as I mentioned, quite a good prognosis and, and quite a small risk of actually experiencing recurrence. Um, so, but we know that even kind of ten or more years post treatment, these men are still frequently reporting concerns about their cancer coming back. Um, and we know that there were other, we also documented other kind of common concerns, um, such as issues uh, with their relationships and, and family, um, body image problems and, and reduced um, sexual activity. Um, and then in terms of identifying men at greatest risk, um, we found from, from both a kind of triangulated the, the quantitative um, findings from the survey with some the qualitative work and it seemed to be that those men who were younger um, who didn't feel they were kind of well informed about testicular cancer who, who experienced the whole um, uh, uh, diagnosis and treatment as a bit of a whirlwind um, and, and those who were having kind of other issues such as job problems uh, who have fear of cancer occurrence and lower social support um, tended to be at risk of, of poorer outcomes. And, and a lot along, we also noted that people who, I guess, tended to um, take a more passive approach or avoidant approach to trying to address those issues tended to do more poorly than those who took a more active kind of problem solving approach. Um, I guess that gave us some clues as to how we could possibly uh, what interventions might be helpful um, in, in terms of addressing some of those outcomes. Um, 
alongside the, the results from our, our survey of supportive care needs, which again kind of primarily related to things um, such as needing help to manage fear of cancer occurrence and, and also dealing with relationship uh, issues such as you know uh, difficulties with their sex life. So um, yeah, I think I think we I guess got a sense of that you know it was really yeah the mental health of these men that was um, you know most impacted as opposed to their physical health and uh, got a sense of who it was that was most at risk and and what some of the things were we could do to help them. Yeah, it sounds like yeah, a lot of things really came out of out of that research, and um, it, you kind of mentioned as well that it could kind of lead a way to you know design interventions to sort of help with this this fear of the, the cancer coming back. So I'm just wondering, um, were there any um, you know positive implications that sort of came out of this study? Yeah, I mean, I think there are a few. Um, you know, lessons that I learned and that hopefully are useful more broadly. Um, and, and the first is that um, I think it's important, you know, at a, at a system kind of level that we don't assume that people who have, you know, good treatment outcomes and who are doing relatively well physically uh, are necessarily um, coping well at, at a mental level. I mean, that's certainly what we saw and I think, as I mentioned before, a lot of people would, would expect that, that these men are probably doing um, quite well, but that wasn't always the case. Um, and we did, um, it, it may not have been obvious when I was kind of listing out the factors that um, helped us identify men at greatest risk, but there weren't, apart from kind of younger age, there weren't really any really obvious demographic or, or kind of clinical characteristics. So relating to the disease itself or the way it was treated that, that could help us identify those men at greatest risk. So it's not like we could just say, you know, it seems like all men who received chemotherapy, you know, were at greater risk of, of poorer outcomes. Um, so I think we need other ways of, of trying to identify those men at, at greater risk. And so that kind of um, suggests that uh, things such as psychosocial screening, where you use very brief um, kind of survey instruments to uh, assess things such as depression, anxiety, pain, fear of cancer occurrence, um, in a way that kind of flags it for the, for the um, cancer care team to to help assess further and, and manage is important um, because, yeah, we, we can't necessarily know who the, who the people are that are most at risk um, or we don't know it at present. It may be that we kind of continue to build that, that profile. Um, and I guess another thing that came out of the qualitative interviews in particular was that um, a lot of these men said they'd be kind of reluctant to maybe seek um, more conventional forms of treatment, such as going to see it, speaking to a psychologist, you know, face-to-face. -face. Um, and I, I, so I think we need to develop kind of treatment models um, that, are, that are, A, tailored to people's level of need, because not everybody might need that such an intensive kind of type of intervention, um, but also that provide alternative ways of accessing mental health treatment. So, um, you know, apart from... Uh, you know, perhaps not needing such 
intensive intervention that there are other barriers such as the stigma of going to see a mental health professional or you know if they live remotely not being able to access um, that support um, so I think we need to um, yeah provide alternative means of of getting help and and we ultimately as um, leading on from the my PhD work developed uh, an online uh, psychological intervention, so you know a website essentially that enabled um, testicular cancer survivors to um, help themselves, you know, get their get their lives uh, back on track or address some of the issues that they were facing after testicular cancer. Yeah, well, yeah, it definitely sounds like yeah, some positive things have come out of that initial research that sort of found that you've got this group of men who you know even though they seem physically fine um, their mental health might not be so great so it's good that yeah. yeah some of these online interventions have kind of come out of that and I really yeah appreciate hearing about your research today as well and yeah it's been yeah great yeah seeing the sort of outcomes that came out of that so so thank you um, I, I think um, you might know already that many of our donations come out of the fundraising efforts from our Rotary Clubs and districts across Australia. And um, I know that they're always interested to hear about the impact that their fundraising dollars um, have had. Um, could you tell our Rotary audience how the Ian Scott PhD scholarship um, may have helped your career personally and, and if it's had any wider impact in the community? Um, well, I think it's, you know, helped me and, and had a broader impact in, in several ways. Um, you know, I, I guess um, <clears throat> on a personal level, it, it you know, enabled me to undertake this PhD with a world-leading group of uh, researchers at the, at the Psycho-Oncology uh, Cooperative Research Group. And, and I think, um, you know, something that I'm hugely grateful for um, is that um, so that a lot of uh, scholarships are offered to people who who get particularly brilliant results in their honours year when they kind of finish their undergraduate research. Um, I, I didn't get like kind of top marks in, in my honours year, but I think the process involved in the Ian Scott scholarship um, uh, you know, application included an, an interview where people, you know, you got an opportunity to present your work and I guess show how important it was um, to you and, and how you felt like you could impact on that area. And, and I guess at a personal level, I really benefited from that. Um, and I think it, it um, really enabled me and sparked my desire to address uh, the needs of, I guess, under-researched populations um, such as testicular cancer survivors, but also address um, issues um, that are, I guess, broadly uh, experienced by cancer survivors, such as fear of cancer occurrence. And, and um, yeah, because the online or digital intervention was one of the kind of ways that, um, or things that came out of this, uh, that, that sparked several other interventions that I've worked on um, since. And, and I guess that one of the key things that I'm quite proud of is that um, ETC, the, the program to help, that, that online program that I mentioned to help men get back on track after cancer is now publicly available thanks to support mm. from uh, the Australian and New Zealand uh, Urogenital and Prostate Cancer Trials Group or, or ANZUP. And, you know, I, th I think that's why so many people 
do the kind of research that I do is because they want to see it change practice and improve the lives of, of people living with cancer. And unfortunately, it, it doesn't always work out like that and or it can take a very long time to, to achieve that goal. But I'm, yeah, I'm really proud that this has ultimately led to something that uh, can help men in the real world. Um, and I think with, with yeah, it's, as I mentioned, kind of sparked that interest in fear of cancer occurrence and we're working on online interventions to address that on a broader scale as well. And that, that could ultimately help you know, millions of cancer survivors worldwide. It's one of the you know, most commonly reported unmet needs in, in that group. And I think there's a, there's a real need to uh, provide uh, support that can be delivered at scale. And, and I think that, you know, this scholarship really set me down on that path and, and has uh, enabled that work. Yeah, well, it's, it's definitely, yeah, really important work. And, and thank you um, for, for doing that kind of research as well. It's, yeah, it's, um, yeah, always good to kind of acknowledge that, that work that um, the researchers are doing behind the scenes to really, you know, help the mental health of, of people, particularly with, you know, a condition like cancer. So, yeah, yeah, thank you for doing that. And, and thank you for joining me on the podcast today. It's, yeah, it's been really great. Oh, no worries. Thanks for having me. And yeah, thanks again to Australian Rotary Health for their support in the early stages of my career. And I hope I can continue to help improve the mental health of um, you know, people with cancer. And um, yeah, thanks for, thanks for enabling me to do that. Yeah, oh, no worries. Thank you again. That was the 52nd episode of our podcast called The Research Behind Lift the Lid. It's always so inspiring to hear what researchers in Australia are doing to make a difference to mental health and how they are helping us on our mission to lift the lid on mental illness. If you can, please support important mental health research like Ben's by donating on the Australian Rotary Health website. Thank you for listening. Please join us again next time.